Hello, I'm Carla Ryder-Beckin and welcome to Faith in Media, our Christians in Media podcast. Join us for unique stories of believers bringing salt and light into a challenging industry. Prepare for some honest conversations about how our guests occupy both secular and Christian spaces, giving voice to thought-provoking topics that will challenge and inspire anyone interested in the world of media. This is another episode of Faith in Media, the Christians in Media podcast. I'm so, so delighted to be with our guests today, Tabitha Webb and Richard Haley. Tabitha and Richard, thank you so much for joining us at Faith in Media. Please say hi. Let us know kind of a little bit about yourselves. We we just want to hear that. Right. Well, my name's Tabitha Webb, but please uh, for here, call me Tabby because Tabitha's when I'm in trouble. Um, I love that. Which is too too often. But yeah, Tabby Webb's actually fine. And um, Richard, so I'm, I'm Richard. Um, my background actually is more in engineering. So this is a, I had a bit of a detour into more of the media stuff, whereas Tabby's background has always been media. So that's amazing. Yeah. And we, we brought you on today because you already share such fascinating journeys you've already mentioned that you've come from quite diverse backgrounds how did you guys connect together uh, in the first place because we know you as the curators and the originators of this incredible musical called love beyond but tell us a little bit about where the journey kind of started for you both and how did you find your paths crossing you better start that one first <laughs> yeah i am um, in our local church i i shared the the vision of the show um played some of the concept music and and shared my heart really with with where I saw it going and we had a a lovely couple in our church um, who were traveling in between mission and suggested that that I contacted their friend's daughter and and that's all I knew and they said oh she's in a play in London perhaps she can help you out with some stuff so I I gave this stranger a call and and, and that was Tabby and uh, arranged for Tabby to come around and, and hear my music and hear what I'd put together so far, mm. and uh, and and she cried when she heard it. It was really bad. <laughs> no, that's not that's not why she cried. There's one no, song I, in I, particular <laughs> really caught me. Let's say she cried. I uh, hopefully because like it, it emotionally touched to her, her spirit, and uh, and we just hit it off really. And uh, ever since I've been her annoying big brother, and she's been an annoying little sister. Yeah, I'm fulfilling that quite well. <laughs> Um, so much so that uh, a few years ago, my husband and I um, actually upsticked from where we used to live in Kent um, to live near Richard and our other friend Steve so that we could um, write more together um, and continue this journey a bit closer to home. Wow. So, um, yeah, at the time when Richard invited me over to hear it, I'd, I'd kind of done that for a couple of people, you know, hearing a few people um ask if I could critique their music because I was in Phantom of the Opera in the West End at the time playing Christine so um, in that job when you're doing eight shows a week um, it's it's pretty full-on doing eight shows a week it's it's a big old job and I didn't have kids at the time so I had some daytime time um, came to meet you in a pub garden didn't I and um, yep 
heard the music and did, Richard had a few a few songs and his kind of idea of the um, kind of the umbrella idea and the vision a really strong God given vision in his head about what he wanted to do. Um, and, but I'd kind of done a few of these things before, but something absolutely struck me. I need to be involved in this, which had never happened before. Um, and rather than just, um, well, yeah, I was like, yeah, I want to hear some of your music. Um, I'm not even sure how it happened, but we ended up writing together. Um, I, uh, following a couple of years later, I was pregnant and came out of the shows to have my family. Um, and what else do you do when you're, you know, off work for nine months, but sit at the piano with your cat um, and, you know, write music? And we were back and forth, weren't we? Crafting lyrics and music together um, and crafting the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of got to my limits, I guess, in, in my musicality, because I, I was set to sit at the piano and play and sing what was in my head. But my range was was like this. And, and Tabby introduced me to a range that was like this. And so it, it, we just started to redevelop a lot of the music, go into stratospheric heights and, and lows and and then to just develop it all more, more together and make it a far more um, beautiful piece, I, I think, a sophisticated piece as well. kind of led you to the original vision behind this musical and the story of it um I mean the, the original vision was I, I became a Christian when I was 18 I, I went in fact I set foot in a church for the first time ever in my life when I was about 18 wow. and uh because I wanted to go out with my my now wife <laughs> and uh she introduced me to a, to a youth group at the time and the youth group was really vibrant and and it was very genuine and full of great relationships and and it opened my eyes to to, to god they introduced me to, to god and the fact that it was relational and i i think i was kind of annoyed that no one had ever told me that all i'd known of of faith and, and religion if you like were learning about the philistines and re and all the armies and battles i had no idea it was relational so i was kind of annoyed that there was nothing that I had seen in theater or music or film that kind of told me that it's a relational experience and, and not a religious set, set of rules. So I guess the first spark was being narked <laughs> that, that I hadn't come across anything that, that, that had told me that. Um, and then it was later really, uh, I, I led worship, I, I played music and I think I was sitting in Wembley Arena watching my my son in a school's choir concert and as the lights dimmed I just had this really vivid picture of an extravagant production that puts sort of Jesus in on center stage I guess and and the audience like were um, really engaged with what they saw and like me suddenly realized it was a relational thing and, and it wasn't the, um, the set of rules that many of us had been told all our lives Wow. So that's how it started. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I love that that tale. And I think how important that is. And I think you're absolutely right. So many, I think, 
audiences that encounter the gospel um, outside of the relation of other men are really fixated or kind of really caught up on the fact that this is a text that feels so very outdated or it feels so very far removed from the realities that we seem to be engaging with in our society. But the truth of the gospel is, as you described, it's actually about the relationship. It is a huge love story, is this Bible, if we give it a chance for it to be visible. And it sounds like you took on the brave undertaking to make that visible to people. I, I can't imagine that was an easy feat. We're talking about you had an initial thought, this is a revelation for your journey, but you've sacrificed so much to keep this alive. What has kept you going and keeping this kind of like, I must see this through? Um, well, I kept seeing it. I, I kept being inspired by things. and I kept seeing it in my, he- my head and mm. always assumed it was for somebody else that I, I would perhaps come alongside and write some music or play keyboards for or something. I, I didn't dream at the time that I would be kind of leading it. Um, so I kind of fought against it for, for many years, trying to find someone else. Um, I think I then got to a point where I felt, um, I guess I feared standing before God and him saying, oh, you idiot, I had such a great thing for you to do, but you didn't realise it was for you. You kept trying to give it away all the time. Um, and, and I kind of therefore had the confidence, I think, out of that realisation to think, actually, yeah, do you know what? I, I think God wants me to do it. Um, I have no idea how to do it how I could possibly do it. But I, th- I think he wants to walk with me through that where I've been trying to kind of steer myself away from it, really trying to find an excuse not to do it. Wow. I, I think so many will resonate with that feeling of that journey, but I like what you said. It's just in terms of when I get to those pearly gates, I do not want God to look at me and say, I gave you this gift, what you did with it. It reminds me about a little bit about the parable of, of the talents, isn't it? And that's really right. kind of effectively what you're saying in this kind of big way. Tabitha, like you mentioned, you had your kind of kind of interweaving as to how your path got on this track alongside Richard. What kept you also committed to the vision? Like you, you said that it moved you when you heard it, but what kept you going? 10 years is a long time to develop something as amazing as this. <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's just my side of the coin. I mean, Richard's been journeying, it, um, journeying with all those thoughts and feelings a lot earlier than he met me. 24 20, years 24 now. years wow. for him. So that's how long it took for, for that um, journey even before we met. Mm. Um, for, for me, um, having that initial, I, I just knew that God was telling me. I absolutely knew Um without a shadow of a doubt that I needed to be involved. And I didn't know what it would look like. I wasn't trying to push myself or put myself into any situation like that. If anything, uh, you know, my background is performance. I mm. am a performer. I've, I've been professional since I was 15, 16 years old. Um, as a singer and an actress, um, I was in opera before I was in musical theatre. Um, I was a chorister, head chorister. I won the BBC Choir Girl of the Year competition back in 1995. Wow. So I started on on that kind of road of being a young kind of I was doing recordings for Sony and Decca and um, and things when I was very young, um, television and radio. But I'd never written apart from GCSE compositions, to be absolutely honest. I'd written some songs, I'd written some stuff. So this was then um, 
a, a really different side to media than I had um, previously done. But mm. because of all my experience in shows, knowing about musical theatre, knowing about composition, obviously doing a music degree, you have to do a certain amount of it. And I, I knew that I had it in there, but I'd not done the practicalities of, you know, putting it on paper, but I can read music, I can write music. Richard, you actually sight read quite well, don't you? For for a so-called amateur, he's actually, he's very good. He's, he, you know, when he started, as you said, he he had um, his feet firmly in, um, which side of the brain is it, Richard, would you say? He's he's a designer, he's an mm. entrepreneur. You, you are many things, yeah, he's and, got a lot of hats. Yeah, and, and, that, and it's really helpful now but I think in the journey, it's it gave it's quite confusing. Mm. I, I I kept writing myself off from oh I'm you know I, I haven't done a music degree therefore I'm not qualified to do that so therefore I must find someone else. And and I think the whole you know, it's taken a long time to come this far. I, I look back now and and trust God that it was you know such the right timing. But also, it you know we've changed. I've changed massively. Mm sort of through through the periods I've grown my understanding of God has grown um and and you know I'm we're not the same people as we were 10 years ago and in some ways it's taken such a long time and in some ways frustrating but I think we're also like a fine wine <laughs> I like that I like that term a lot and I think just listening to what you're describing in terms of so many things how many people actually probably feel that God has dropped a very special commission or assignment in their hearts, but they don't, on paper, it might feel as though we are unqualified. And usually that is God's best masterpieces at times, because he's going to get the glory showing what would be impossible under normal circumstances Mm -hmm. and, and make something beautiful out of that. I think that alone is so inspiring. And also just like your commitment to the process of, what this show has also done in turn to you. Yes, you gave out of yourself to create something and to build something and to curate something. But in the same breath, you allowed also the process of getting involved in that to really kind of mold and shape you. What do you think have been some of the things that you've noticed in yourself personally? And this is a question for the both of you that has changed as a result of getting involved with this project. Can I answer first? What's <laughs> No, no. Uh, <laughs> collaboration, I will say. For, mm. for me, um, I've had to, well, you've done teams and stuff like that before, and obviously working in theatre, you, you collaborate with your people mm. on stage hugely. But it was the, the joining of our skills. Me on my own, I couldn't do this. You on your own, you couldn't do this. Well, you probably mm. couldn't. Mm. I tell a lie. Um, but... <laughs> get together we are stronger and that's not just us as well that you know within our families within our team um we goodness what god has designed to to put together and and help us in our communication in our skill sets in um i've i've gained qualification but you Mm. know you, you, you know i disqualified um i had a prophetic word over me when i was a teenager and i thought that's not what I do that's not what I do someone said uh, um, your music's going to be heard in an arena like this that my music 
yes, your, your music, your composition. And I only remembered a couple of years ago and I'd completely got written it off going, well, that can't be right because I'm a singer. I sing other people's music. Mm. So immediately, I, and I, do you remember? I, told I do, you yeah, really, I do remember. I thought, oh my goodness, that's actually, th there it is, the proof's in the pudding, it's out. Um, and we can so easily disqualify ourselves. Um, and throughout the Bible, it's littered with people who say, I can't do that, I'm not a speaker, I'm not a this, I'm not a that. Um, and in some ways, we, are, we have qualifications, like I have music qualifications, but I'd never done it before, really. <laughs> um, and the same with you, you have huge amounts of skills. So a few years ago, we, we mapped out all the prophetic words we'd had. We, we got together and, and typed out all the prophetic words, and we mapped it out, on the, put it out on the floor and just like looked at all the old, the journey from years ago when things like didn't make sense and well, that doesn't make sense. And, and then you look back and you kind of piece it all together and you just think, wow, God orchestrated all this um, amazingly. Um, I mean, my, my background is automotive. I was a director of car design and I thought, well, how can that fit? But it's, you know, it's project management. It, it, it's creative. It's very collaborative as, as Tabby was saying earlier. It's, I look back now and at the time thinking it didn't fit at all with building a, a production, but actually what the skill sets have worked really, really well. And I, I think, you know, we could never have done that in the natural. We've never thought connected those dots, but by being sort of dumbfounded with stuff, I'm just stuck. And you look back and you just see God, you see how God has like, I had you then sort of thing. <laughs> I think that's so true, isn't it? And I think many of us come to the realization. I think, especially like I love that you, you kind of you laid it all out. Like let's let's have a kind of a reflection on kind of the steps that God has brought us through, the words that He's given, the kind of pillar moments in life, and you realize that absolutely nothing is wasted. How encouraging that is, and how encouraging that must feel when the realization I'm using those very skills that I was operating in in a whole other lifetime, and God has made it yeah. useful here. It's just so, it, it blows me away of how amazing kind of God is. Let's talk a little bit about kind of just like the way that you guys got involved with I mean the production levels are so high with this with this piece from what I've seen of it it looks incredible it fits absolutely comfortably within from all of what I've seen in West End interestingly enough um Tabitha my favorite um musical theater is um show is Phantom of the Opera so to hear that you were actually Christine is a little bit fangirling over here so forgive me if I can't hold it in <laughs> Um, it's it's it's, 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 <laughs> it's and I will receive that. Thank you so much. I absolutely love that musical so much. And so when I saw the production level and and that kind of just the, the standard of excellence of Love Beyond, that was just I was like, yes, this is exactly what we should be doing. The church should be producing artistry and standard within due form as such. And and I guess one of my my questions: Did you only cast Christians for the roles? And when you got this onto the platform and into the arena across like West End and obviously these very kind of renowned venue spaces, like what was that transition like? What did that entail to get there? Because this is something I think other young aspiring 
you know, musical theatre actors or directors, playwrights, that's the goal of where they're aiming for. How did you get there? Well, I think we just, we, we wrestled with, should it be a Christian company mm. um, in terms of actors and creatives? Um, and actually we decided against that, actually. So, so half the cast were Christians, um, half weren't. You know, we, we wanted the best talent, the best actors, the best singing for the role. Mm. Um, trusting in the creative that we'd written. Yeah, but, you know, a, a great actor to sing one something that we'd written mm. would be better than a, than a Christian who wasn't quite as good, but they were Christian. Yeah, to just you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think with um, with my background, I mean, I've been blessed enough to have um, a pool of people uh, mm. and talent that I know can pull off certain roles and, and do things. But at the same time, when we were um, kind of auditioning people, yeah, we'd gone through quite a journey as thought, oh, should we keep this? And I think that's part of our development on the journey, yeah, isn't it, definitely. actually, in, in how we, we've grown and I think um, have confidence in the fact that um, if people don't have faith, have their own faith, that they will learn as part of the journey. And one thing that I have absolutely loved in um, kind of a direct, either directing or musical mm. directing the, the few productions that we've done so far, is just the opportunity to share our faith, to share our testimony. Um, and they're, they're getting paid to sit there and, and listen to me. Sorry, but <laughs> I've got to tell you what this is because as an actor... They have to understand their character. They have to move in that realm and that genre. And mm. we found that some people that had no faith, in, in fact, some that were complete atheists, mm. have had their mindset entirely disrupted, turned upside down wow. and come to faith. And that for me, um, as a direct result with my friends and people that I've known and other people that we've got to know through the process, that's been mm. so exciting. I, I can't even imagine I, that sounds so so and, and actually that's exactly what it should be doing and, and I love that you said that actually this was not it was a gamble between do we kind of subsidize talent because we want to be comfortable with other Christians kind of at the helm of this project or do we go to the best talent and we bring them the gospel anyway and what you had was an opportunity to really effectively touch the lives and expose the gospel to the people right. that probably needed to hear it who would have never heard it would have never been exposed to it certainly in the manner and the fashion that would have actually related to them I love how you describe that type of these are your friends these are people that you do life with that's where it really matters doesn't it certainly is certainly is well, one of the challenges that we had is that um in my mind I only ever saw it huge and the you know the sound world that we'd created it was huge and epic it's like, well, how, how can we try it out in like a small venue how can you actually try it because it needs to be huge so our, our first ever tryout of it was in at the brighton center with an audience of nearly three thousand people wow. um, on an orchestra that, that that was our tryout i guess just to see would it would it work um and that took it was very humbling that the people who come alongside people in church our, our own churches our own sort of families and friends who wanted to invest and support it. Um, mm. Hugely humbling to, to, to see financial support to put it on as a trial. Um, and, and it worked great. I mean, and that our confidence grew and 
the following year we did Wembley Arena for, for a couple of nights and and it's all been self-funded and uh, just an amazing journey in itself. And I've, I've learned lots from other people um, about sort of stewarding resources and things, you know, that I, I, I wasn't very good at, but just seeing other people model it, you know, the, the whole journey has been so much for us <laughs> as well, you know. We, Life-changing. We've really Absolutely. grown and changed and we look back and think, wow, just like I had no idea how I'd, I would have done that sort of, you know, had I not met these people and seen this and God taught me this and God took us to the struggling point here. Then there's a revelation we had about here and it's just been life changing itself. You know, mm. the, the journey has meant just as much for us personally. And it sounds like you, yeah. Oh my God. How, that was going to be my next question. How did you navigate, you know, that this, 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 pregnant with or like this incredible gift that you were about to kind of unleash onto the world with this production you know and then for it all to come to a bit of a grinding halt like when was the was that was that when things had to seize what happened for you guys during that period of time well I guess we'd been chasing things opportunities in America and another mm. sort of touring opportunities and Internally, I'm getting frustrated. Oh, you know, things aren't quite happening as fast as I would want them in, in my world. And uh, getting frustrated by that. And then lockdown happens. And you think, thank you, Lord, that, that we hadn't invested and got yeah. other people's money involved in shows that now had to be cancelled. And, you know, I mean, it, it financially broke lots of companies. Mm. So, again, just look back and say, well, thank you, Lord, that you knew a little bit better than us. And that's quite handy to have 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 you on our board of directors you know yeah <laughs> Richard was champing at the bit and trying to you know push it forward and push it forward but I was chucking out a couple of sprogs at the time that are in oh, you see wow. yes um it's bring your kids to work day to day absolutely um, but, <laughs> for me I you know, I wouldn't have put anything on the brakes of it but God knew what I needed to go through as a mother mm. Mm. Uh, what I, how I needed to tr transition. I suppose this helped my transition. I didn't even realize I was from, you know, being, I had worked since I was a teen and never stopped working. And suddenly um, I'm pregnant, I'm having a kid, I'm coming out of the West End and the West End is not conducive to families because you're doing eight shows a week and you people see their kids for like half an hour and they get home from school before they've got to go out again. And now they do Sunday shows. You can do double shows on a Saturday and do Sunday shows. You can never see your kids. It's a, it was a real decision to say, well, well, that's the end of that because I want a family. Um, but then I didn't have a plan as to what I was going to do. Not a chance, but God knew. Um, and, you know, for, for me, I suppose it just took me so easily from one time in my life into a very new season and as Richard said a real season of discovery re really discovering myself uh, my capabilities my limitations also um, I only found out last year I had an official diagnosis of being ADHD and that for anyone who knows anything about neurodiversity and that kind of thing was a massive thing and I think, um, you know, going back to collaboration, I think my lovely big brother here who can take the mick out of me for being who I am, um, but, you know, has helped journey through that process. But I'm working with someone who is neurodiverse 
as well must be pretty difficult at times. Not but... a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness me! Oh, but, that, but, but that you know, we we are wrestling and dealing with uh, with things in my for me in my personal life and my home life with work life with earning enough money while we are developing love beyond and there there is so much to balance i don't know where i'm going here because (laughs) of my brain but um that's just another element of of uh, discovery in this time for me it's really good to hear that because i think what we see is the finished product but people really have very little understanding unless they are exposed to conversations like this where you get an insight as to what really went into it you know the end result of love beyond its brilliance you see it polished the finished product at the end that's the cherry on the cake in terms of actually the journeys that people have had to go through to get there and what you shared you know adds such nuance such such richness to actually what that costs you to produce something as brilliant as that and I, I guess my next question would be you know transformation seems to be quite a central theme to love beyond and you've been speaking about so much about how even as individuals who are you know the originators of this beautiful production is what it been about transformation do you feel that there is still room for this message to kind of continue on yeah, I mean, I think it's it can continually change as well. So unlike film, you, you know, you commit it and that's it; it's unchangeable. Whereas at the moment, we're we're, in, we're able to make tweaks and things. Yeah, as our, mm. our theology changes, as we get to know God in a slightly different way, we can feed that in. Um, so we we've done a a production in April of a concert version of Love Beyond, and we introduced some changes lyrically, some some few few things that we'd want to emphasize slightly differently. And, and even now there's like, Oh yeah, we want to tweak that a little bit again. Cause I'm not sure we explained that bit very clearly now. And mm. so, so it's a constant evolve in um, presentation, I guess, of, of our own faith. Um, so I'm not sure it's ever polished and ever finished. <laughs> That's the beauty of musical theater. Though, yeah. that you, you know, even in previews, people, have been known to cut songs to cut characters to you know really mess around with things and we've gone through um quite a few years of well three incarnations let's say interesting mm. yeah. and, and lockdown was a big part of that mm. so in lockdown sort of tab tabby and i we'd um usually put past our mondays to, to get together and to pray and worship and 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 that's when we've had a lot of our breakthroughs i think in terms of story in it um, and sort of structure in it. Um, it was like worshiping on the Monday, sometimes drawing, painting, dreaming, just mm. working together and then thinking, actually, do you know what? I think we need to do this slightly differently. Um, so lockdown enabled that. And, uh, and then out of that, we've created a far more cinematic um, sound score that's now all pre-recorded gives us more opportunities to do you know, to, to mm. put it on as a performance in different places now because we could just rock up with a cast and use a soundtrack um so yeah it, it's evolving all the time i think as we evolve mm. i love that and i, I guess like this is probably a, a question again to the both of you in musical theater is a very distinctive 
form of storytelling. You have the synergy with music and you have a script and you have actors and people are drawn into a world in a way that is very different to seeing kind of a static screen. How, how do you feel that kind of like this form or this platform or forum of storytelling is different from others? Uh, do you think it's more effective than others, just in your in your view? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing like live theatre. So even regardless of the musical content, seeing people in character, in you know, performing right before your eyes. I mean, there's a wonderful thing about going to the cinema, isn't there? And even having that, that experience. But there's something about theatre that's visceral, you know, especially the Americans, they want to see the sweat, they want to see the spit coming out your mouth. Um, you, they want to see that connection. And as an actress, um, night after night, uh, honing in on like character say of Christine she goes through so much she th- she fears she's about to be raped and killed and hounded by this man in a mask who had pretended to be her father and this abusive narcissistic kind of em- emotionally intense relationship is built up and and people that, that's just the story and the acting add music to that and um, for some people musical theatre is one of those genres where you know, they're acting and then suddenly they're singing a song and people go, oh, that's so unbelievable. But, and yet there's another part of the uh, um, the population that can just immerse themselves within a story, within the narrative um, and take what is is presented on stage and really enter into that. And part of our big vision that we we would love in the future to be able to see this 360 degrees in the round with full immersive theater experience with smells with rumbling seats we've we've, you know with light shows with drones we've gone through so many artistic creative (laughs) kind of dreaming big in our heads um and and yet actually musical theater just just in its simplest form the music the emotion of the song musical storytelling can be such a powerful narrative that people get lost in the story. And for people that don't know the story, they might um, react to it uh, in such a different way from people that have always known the story, but still may react to it in a really fresh way. We've had some testimony of that, haven't we? I mean, I I come from it from a slightly different angle. Um, I come from it more from the music telling the story side of it. Um, As a child, I used to sort of sit with my ear to the radio or the radiogram, I guess, back in those days, um, to just getting really involved in what I heard. I could always picture what I hear. And in the 70s and 80s, there was concept albums um, that told stories through prog rock and different things. And I, I loved that. So, so my angle has probably been slightly more biased towards the, the music telling the story. And, and this is where we work great together. Um, so our, our soundtrack, I, I wanted to be able to hear the soundtrack in the car with no lyrics and know what's happening because the, because the, the, the orchestrations is, you know, is taking us through the drama. Um, and so that's so slightly differently sort of how we, how we see things, but, but together, put that together with, uh, with, with the, mm-hmm. um, the acting that, that Tabby is so passionate about. Acting through song particularly is is a big um, that that is how I'm geared. That's how I'm wired. Um, and taking the music and the acting and making something um, 
really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Authentic. Mm, mm. And, and, you know, a lot of the time we associate this type of storytelling, you know, theatre as a forum in itself is kind of a reflection of society. Do you think that love beyond reflects on some contemporary social dynamics? And if so, in, in which ways would you say that it, it kind of connects in that way? So in other words, so a lot of the time when we see what's happening in the theatre, it's almost like watching parables on a stage. In, is there a way that you think that Love Beyond is telling parables of kind of like what people are experiencing in modern day life? Is there a kind of like a reflection? Oh, of I hope that? so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I hope people can relate to the characters that, mm. that are relating with Jesus on stage. I'm not, I hope that they're relating that, oh, that could be me. Yeah. Um, we, we, costume wise, we, we always kept away from historical costumes. Amazing. So it's contemporary costumes because we've always wanted people to think, well, that could be me. Jesus could be talking to me right now, the way yeah. he's talking to that lady or to that man. It's, it's, um, it's a story of humanity and humanity's uh, relationship with God. And of course, as humanity, we have evolved in so many ways since um, right. early biblical times, even through the narrative of the Bible, how much had humanity changed um, in, in that timeline, whatever timeline you think that is. Um, that's controversial. But if you're talking about from the, the we are telling a story from the absolute seed of, of the beginning of time to the absolute culmination and end of the world and projecting into the future, um, whatever your kind of theological views around that, which we, we've actually tried to not be very specific in, in the unknown theological views, if you see what I mean. We stick to the absolute essence of the story and of the, the, the love story between God and humanity. So as you say, bringing that back to a relatable experience, mm. we have uh, obviously so many characters from the Bible that we could take inspiration from and we could have chosen another 10 of them and made five musicals um, just in an afternoon, uh, just on the so much, so much rich kind of um, breakdown of humanity that the Bible shows. But we, we've tried to take um, different stories uh, from from the difference of the first um, performance to to our next incarnation in Wembley. Um, we've written in Saul, particularly because we want I wanted to show the change. Um, and I think, Richard, you were pretty much very unanimously kind of OK with that, let's say, seeing the change of someone who hadn't um, liked Jesus and what was shown of Jesus and was completely against it, not just that, but actually persecuting the church. Mm. And seeing that change in one song on stage as he has his encounter with Jesus um, and that is so different from all the people that saw the miracles and were so taken in and then taken in by um, by Satan's kind of um, deception into kind of killing him on the cross. But then you have the believers and they're really going for it. And then you see someone's change right before your eyes to um, to to faith. And that is such a disrupting um, moment for someone that. That I, I hope people will be able to relate to that as well. I, I think boldly, that's such a great example to have used if that was kind of like a new addition into kind of what, what Love Beyond was doing, especially as you said, like Saul was quite unique in terms of 
completely anti. And I think we're living in a society that is very anti in some ways. And to see that even there, someone could still engage with and be encountered with, with such a great love is, is a powerful a powerful example and parallel that I think you're right, this is definitely something that parallels with what's happening in society and how people are finding faith today. Tabitha, I want to ask you, this might be kind of an interesting question for someone that is, as you've expressed, really have a long-standing relationship with musical theatre and a career. This is really your heartbeat in so many ways. Did you ever feel, and this is something we commonly find, I think no matter what field that you're occupying is imposter syndrome. Did you ever feel that in terms of you are clearly a godly woman, your faith and your identity is clearly very, very content in who Christ is and what he is for you. How does how did you find like kind of managing that integrity, working within the West End, which can come with a lot of varied kind of cultural expectations mm-hmm. and expressions? Yeah. So I, I, I that'll be a question. I, I imagine a lot of our listeners, those that are, you know, looking to aspire to kind of occupy space in those arenas, would would love to hear like, how do you do it? How did you do it? Um Again, I think I have transformed, let's say, from the person that I was 30 years ago, (laughs) you know, um, when I started out. Um, I I think in such a diverse group of people that you are likely to meet in theatre, as probably the same in any any office uh, now, but creatives are a funny bunch, aren't we? I think it is such a different um, culture. It is a massively different culture from some places and some places of work. Um, And in what's expectation, you you know, you you sit around in your pants um, with people um, having a cup of tea and then you've got to throw weird clothes on, run around on stage, sweat for three hours. Um, bear your soul and um, and more and then come off, you know, get a train home and once that wig cap comes off and you take some stage makeup off, you do a few signatures at stage door and then you walk out and you're completely unknown. That's the beauty of, of that work, actually, that you don't have the fame that's associated with it. Um, but, you know, oh goodness, it, it, it is such a unique experience, um, I think, um, in media, I think having done television, some bits of television, a bit of filming, um, but done a lot of theatre, there is nothing like it. As they say, the smell of the grease paint and the roar of the crowd. It's um, intoxicating in a way that I think other forms of entertainment have a different pace. Mm. Um, it, interestingly, I, I was in Les Mis, the... the um, the stage show, Les Mis Hable, and Les Mis the movie. And they couldn't have been more different from the sense of direction, um, obviously the pace of filming something over a few weeks, which in the theatre goes like that. Um, but from a Christian perspective, um, sorry, going back to your original question, um, I've come across, well, my, my own thoughts have, have moulded and changed, but other people's expectation 
of what it is and the difficulties you might face and come across have been very different from my experiences and my own preconceived ideas, I suppose. Um, and I don't, don't know where I can go with this, but um, I think showing Jesus's love, mm. acceptance, complete acceptance and inclusion of everybody you come across has to be essential in any working environment. Mm. And the theatre is no different. You know, when you know that the guy um, behind the lights, the, the, the person in the booth selling tickets, the person selling the ice creams, the people doing the lighting, if every single one of them you see as Jesus, um, that's got to transform the way that you work in that environment. You just have to love, 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 and love some more. And when you get annoyed with people and when you're in that tight space, um, you have to offer so much love and you just hope you get it in return. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this has been incredible just hearing both your stories and your journey. Uh, and before we close off, I just want to ask, what's next for Love Beyond? This feels like it's not finished yet. What 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 are thoughts with regards to what's going to happen next with Love Beyond? Yeah, definitely not finished yet. <laughs> um, again, it's one of those grappling things. We've had so many prophetic words and and uh, words of knowledge from strangers all around the world wow. about who have never met us before, didn't know who we were um, about, or building something that's going to go global. It's going to be on the global stages and things. Um, and what do you do with that when, when you're here and you have these encouraging words that say you're going to be over here um and, and that's what we're currently grappling with um we're currently looking at or scoping out the viability of a uk tour so so taking it into to large venues uh, around the uk and um, we're scoping it out now for middle of 24 um in parallel we're talking to people in the us um about what, how love beyond could work in the us um, I think it would work very, very well, personally, but I'm biased. Um, so we're working on various things in parallel. Um, also, we're, we're going to be sort of developing it slightly differently. There's a, f a few things that we've learned that perhaps weren't quite as clear as we'd want them to be theologically. Um, so, yeah, it's just nonstop, really, in between day jobs and family and children and everything else. And, and real life, really. But yeah. I'm so grateful to have heard just to kind of the story of this is so special. I, I sense that personally myself, just listening to your story and and the purpose and the mission of what what reach that Love Beyond is going to impact, I believe is just at this stage, like unfathomable. And I expect God is going to do great things with it. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today on Faith in Media's podcast. So we got to hear your story. We'll be following avidly uh, your social media sites. You mentioned that you'll be publishing kind of all of the updates with regards to what's happening with the progress of um, Love Beyond on your Facebook page and on your website. So anybody that's interested to follow the work of Tabitha and Richard and their work with Love Beyond, please make sure that you are following them. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute My blessing. Pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. Thank I hope you get to keep keep up to date with the progress that you're doing. All the very best. God bless and much Thanks, love. Carla. Love speaking to you.
You've been listening to Faith in Media with Carla Adebekin. Make sure you catch our episodes and hit subscribe. Please share and leave us a comment. Christians in Media is a UK charity that supports, encourages and inspires Christians from across the ever-changing media landscape. Find out more at www.christiansinmedia.co.uk and connect with us today via our socials.